0: Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of The Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus.
1: Hi, my name is Alec Rich, and I'm a research assistant and staff writer with The Hatchet. Today on Getting to the Bottom of It, we will be discussing the rising backlash towards university president Thomas LeBlanc in recent months, which is culminated in a petition by the Faculty Association calling for his resignation. As of Tuesday, that petition has 110 faculty signatures. Here to discuss the petition with me is Professor of History and Acting President of the GW Faculty Association, Andrew Zimmerman. Professor Zimmerman, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me here.
1: What does the petition kind of say, and you know, what are its general implications for the university?
2: The, um, for us, all of the concerns we lay out in the petition are major concerns that we've had in the Faculty Association for a long time, and there's more on the list, too. We just didn't want to overburden it. But the thing that really lent urgency to us, to our petition, the reason we felt it had to go out now and not two weeks from now, ideally, would have gone out two weeks earlier, um, was the racist remark, and we saw it as the insufficient response, and as we saw it as a long-term um, problem with uh, diversity and inclusion at GW. And we felt it was really important to get this petition out, not only to make our voices heard to the administration, in fact, I... Don't know how much the administration is going to hear our voices, it hasn't heard our voices in the past, but I want students um, and faculty and staff to hear what we have to say and to hear that all the faculty that sign it and many faculty that, you know, might not have had the courage to sign it or were hesitant to sign it, um, but certainly all the faculty that signed it stand against that kind of racism and again, and for diversity and inclusion and want GW to do better and we're not going to keep this institutional facade um, and pretend like that's not a problem, or try to brush it under the rug, because that's not who we are, what we're
1: about. Mm-hmm. And this has obviously been building up for a long time, not yeah. only in terms of the racial part, but also in terms of, you know, as I said, the twenty thirty plan, yeah. and also that institutional culture initiative. And something you had talked about in a Hatch article mm-hmm. we reported on last week was, you know, just in terms of this administration not necessarily expressing enough inter- either interest or concern in what the faculty were you know, kind of raising and not kind of abiding by that shared government governance. Can you kind of ex- expand on that?
2: Sure. I mean, one of the things that is great about universities is that the norm, anyway, is that the uh, governance should be done in collaboration with the faculty. Until pretty recently, most universities would have hired deans and would have appointed deans and provosts from within the faculty. Now they're mostly external. Um, and presidents are are always external. And even more to the point, when changes were made in universities or when administrative decisions were made, the faculty were were included. GW is, I think, some of the issues, all of the issues we raised are on the one hand particular to GW, but there are also general issues in many universities where the majority of faculty are not put on the tenure track The majority of courses are taught by part-time or adjunct professors. All of that, all of these things are part of a process in which the faculty are devalued and excluded from the university and treated as employees to be pushed around. And that's, I mean, one sign you can see is with the the Disney Culture Initiative where in one of the President LeBlanc's first announcements he said um, he was impressed when he was at Disneyland that the um, the person who cleaned his hotel room rearranged his children's stuffed animals. And the idea that you would come into the university and try to make employees act more like employees at a company that's notorious for its abusive and authoritarian labor practices said to me not only a bad intention but no interest or no uh, desire to even speak a language that faculty... Speak and to speak a language that people I know have a variety of feelings about that, but I think in general can be seen as as insulting to people who work here and people who make been here a lot longer than he has and will be here, you know, no matter what happens with this resignation petition. Petition will be here a lot longer, long after he's
1: gone. And the petition as of now it has one hundred ten signatures, as I' mentioned, or is it more
2: now you know we're 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 continuing to we're just we just um, sent around another another wave of signatures, one of the new things no, another round for asking for signatures. Um, last time I checked, we had hundred and twenty verified faculty signatures, mm-hmm. but also one thing that I was pleasantly surprised by, and the rest of us in the on the steering committee of the faculty association were pleasantly surprised by. Is a number of students that they were interested in signing, and a few staff members told us they were interested in signing too. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it was always we always were glad to have student and staff signatures, but now we, we make that explicit. We don't have the kind of reach among students and and staff that we have among faculty, and even among faculty, we can really only reach our own our own members and whoever they choose to forward it to. So we don't have a big reach. So we're not sure how many signatures we're going to get for, from students or staff, mm-hmm. and if we don't get a lot, we won't, you know we'll we'll very grateful for the signatures but mostly one big aspect of this petition is it's about coming together as a community and just saying you know there are lines there are things that are just wrong and we have to say that they're just wrong and part of what we're doing a big part of what we're doing is saying this together and communicating to each other I don't think that this is going to directly lead to any um, to President LeBlanc resigning we are serious about that demand and we would like Mm -hmm. to happen. But I think that the big complaint is that President LeBlanc is disrespectful of faculty, disrespectful of our basic values of diversity and democracy, um, that the very things we're pointing out would suggest that he wouldn't pay attention to this petition. Mm -hmm. But already it's, I think many people know this, how isolating and depressing it can be to be angry about an issue like this and feel like you're alone. And
1: what would you say to detractors who, you know, might say that calling for resignation is too far? You know, maybe yeah. that the institutional changes can be addressed without taking that extra step.
2: I mean, people feel differently about this kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, we call it an outside strategy where we're not working through the institutions um, and through the, you know, the, the the colleges, the faculty assemblies. although we go to the faculty assemblies in the college. Um, we have members on the faculty Senate too. But this is how um, we decided it was appropriate way to express our real concern about about these issues. Also the fact that we I mean we've had conversations not about diversity and inclusion specifically, um, but about every other issue on this petition again and again with President LeBlanc and with any administrator who will listen to us, and we are dismissed, given, these Pat stories that we've heard. I've not heard the exact same story several times. And um, yeah, when you're not being listened to by somebody who's the head of an organization, like a university based on shared governance, and they won't listen to you, then this is, I can't think of what else we would, we would, we would demand.
0: Looking a little bit at the student perspective this week, I'm here with Kieran Hefner-Shaw, the opinions editor. So, Kieran, you head the editorial board of the GW Hatchet, and this week you had—you started off with an opinion that was slightly different from the professor that we spoke with, uh, Professor Zimmerman. Um, can you tell me why you initially thought maybe calling for resignation was a little bit too harsh?
3: So, when we first thought about writing about the push for LeBlanc's resignation, we were sort of opposed to it because we were thinking from the perspective of only really looking at the students and we didn't think about how the faculty had spoken on it that much. But then we started to come around a little bit more because of the faculty concerns and because of other concerns with the 2030 plan enrollment cut.
0: So every week on a Tuesday night, the editorial board gets together and talks about this. So what were some of the main points that people were bringing up that this was not really an overreaction?
3: Uh, Well, it definitely started with the Faculty Association and the way that they had brought up concerns outside of the video. Um, The big thing that got us was that LeBlanc never really seemed to fit in at GW in the first place. And we really discussed how, when he first was hired by the university, even when the search committee was being put together, There was a general concern about whether or not he was going to fit in, whether or not we wanted a white male STEM background professor coming to GW and leading the university.
0: But we've never had anyone other than a white male as president.
3: And I think that was part of their concern initially. And I think what we're seeing now is some of the consequences of making that hiring choice. And what we did in the editorial board meeting is we really went through every decision he made and said, like, was this the right decision? Is he taking the university in the right direction? And the consensus we came to was that he's made a lot of missteps and not done so much for the good of the university.
0: So did you talk about the, the positive things that he's done? Were, were any of those brought up?
3: Uh, it was definitely acknowledged that he took on a difficult situation coming to GW. Um, we know that GW has issues with debt that existed before he came here, We know that there's a tuition reliance issue at GW. um, But I think some of the larger issues, especially the direction he's taking the university, somewhat overshadowed any good that he has done. Um, And I also think possibly some of the good things that we see from him are led by administrators like Sissy Petty and not so much from LeBlanc himself.
0: Did you discuss his, like, leadership at all, like, rather than his actual policies?
3: Uh, yeah, so, so what, one concern we have with his leadership is that he's used poor choices of words in the past. So not just the video in which he makes a rather insensitive analogy, um, but also in reaction to the Alpha Phi scandal two years ago. Um, We felt he did a very poor job leading the university through what was a relatively large crisis. Um, We also felt that there's been moments where he talked about social media, internship culture. He wasn't really leading students by doing that. He was expressing personal grievances with them. Another one was when he spoke out about students being critical of Marsha McNutt. Um, And we were hesitant to include that because... We don't necessarily agree that he was wrong in that instance, but we do agree that it shows poor leadership skills to openly critique your own students. Sure.
0: And one of the things I think about is like how feasible like this a petition or any other movement to call him to resign is. And did you all consider that when thinking like, is this actually a possibility that he could resign over our statement or anyone else's statement?
3: Well, if I made as much money as he does, I would not resign over anything. <laughs> um, but I, we didn't discuss feasibility of his resignation so much as we discussed the consequences for the school. It would be the third president in the last five, six years. Um, obviously, it would be a big deal if he stepped down, and it would leave us from going somewhere where we have a direction to to no direction. So if it's the wrong direction, maybe that's a good thing, but it could also set us back years.
0: Were there any points where, in your discussion, that you felt like you really reached a turning point in, in changing your, your opinion or what the outcome of the editorial board was that you thought?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it was fairly early on that we sort of sorted, uh, started to switch over. Um, But I think what really got us was when we kind of stopped thinking about it as just from the video's perspective. Um, Initially, we were really just talking about the video and being like, is this enough to trigger a university resignation? And one thing that was brought up is that, like, high-profile presidential uh, resignations, they have been, like, at Michigan State when they covered up a, a sexual abuse scandal, or at Mizzou when they poorly handled racial incident Uh, we felt that the video did not meet nearly that level and LeBlanc has done nothing like that Um, but when we stopped thinking about it as just the video and we thought like should the university president be someone who's taking the university in the wrong direction I think that's where we got on board and I think that's also where the faculty association really made strong points.
0: Are you at all worried about backlash from this piece coming out?
3: I've written more controversial (laughs) pieces than this.
0: Are you writing this in the anticipation of any support from students also?
3: I would anticipate from my experience writing any article that talks about the administration that most people won't read it. Um, (laughs) But if people do read it, I do think students will be fairly supportive. I think the people that like to read the Hatchet editorial board tend also to dislike the administration and before we wrote this piece and we were thinking about defending him uh LeBlanc, there was a general consensus that like we are his biggest critics on campus and it would you know be a good sign if we were able to come around and say we don't think he should resign obviously that didn't happen um but uh, but also like criticizing LeBlanc is not going to be something new for us
0: well thanks kieran for coming on the podcast
3: Thanks for having me.
0: On our culture segment this week, we're talking to culture editor Sydney Lee about how we can celebrate Women's History Month. First of all, I didn't even know it was Women's History Month, so that's the first thing. So, thank you for coming on, Sydney.
4: Yeah, of course.
0: So, first of all, you and your reporters looked into ways to celebrate Women's History Month. So, what's the first thing that you recommend?
4: Well, the first thing i do this month is check out the new gallery at the National Portrait Gallery. It's called "Women of Progress Early Camera Portraits, and these um, portraits show influential women throughout uh, the mid-19th century in America. Um, some of the portraits include abolitionist Lucretia Mott or author Harriet Beecher Stowe. So
0: is this up just for this month, or is it open for a couple of months?
4: So, it'll be on display until May um, of this year, uh, but it opened pretty recently.
0: What if you're looking for an event to celebrate women in the LGBTQ community?
4: Well, there's an amazing event on March 26th um, celebrating Queer Women of Washington, um, and it's hosted by the Mayor's Office of LGBTQ Affairs, and they're going to be handing out some awards. um to a queer women that have just done amazing things, had some great achievements. What if you're looking for more of a live performance? So in the middle of March on the 17th, Busboys and Poets will be hosting as part of their monthly series um, focused on workers' rights and organized labor. Uh, they're hosting performances uh, about D.C. labor chorus, and that depicts the struggles of women throughout history, including people like Sojourner Truth and other activists so you can go and watch the performances and sit along for the discussions
0: and Boys and poets also has food and
4: drink like, yeah mm-hmm. they have a full sydney. menu
0: happy women's history month sydney thanks you too that's all for this week getting to the bottom of it is hosted by meredith roten and features culture editor sydney lee this podcast is produced by podcast host meredith roten music is produced by oak studio And a special thanks to Andrew Zimmerman, Alec Rich, and Kieran Hefner Shaw for joining us.